Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Miss Independence Podcast. I'm so excited about today's episode. Today we have my social media manager, and more importantly, my sister, Emma, here to talk about the importance of emotional support. And I think it's going to be a very cathartic episode to hear. So it definitely was a cathartic episode to record, and I'm so excited and thankful that she was able to uh be able to have this conversation with me. So in this episode, we talk about, like I said, emotional support and what it's like to have a sibling with a disability. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to hear a few housekeeping items. We, um, if you have not yet, go like our Instagram page and our TikTok. And I think that's all I have. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have. So let's get to today's episode. Do you ever feel like you're unseen or unheard because of your disability? Do you feel isolated and unsupported? Welcome to the Miss Independence Podcast. From questions about chronic illness to doctor's appointments, dating, advocating for yourself, this podcast should provide information about the odds and ends of life for someone with a disability or chronic illness. We will talk about many different topics that I hope you can use as a resource to make your life better. I will share personal stories as well as having guests and experts come and share their own experience and expertise. I am hoping that there can be unfiltered conversations and assumptions that are debunked so that people who do not live this life can be informed about what life with a disability is like. I am really looking forward to interacting with you and hearing your experience. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Miss Independence Podcast. I'm so excited for this episode today. We are hanging out with my social media manager and more importantly, my sister, Emma. Hey, Em. Hi, everybody. Hi, Abby. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited to do this. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, So in this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, what it's been like for Emma to manage my social media and be a little... I'd say momager, but you're not really my mom. But I don't know. That sounds cool. And uh, also about emotional support. So we are back with the emotional support series. So in this segment, we're just going to be talking about how it's been with her um, helping out with my social media. I um, love what I do. This has been such a fun ride. The one aspect of this that I am not very good at is the pictures. Anything you guys see on social media, nine times out of ten, is made by Emma because I do not have the spatial orientation or awareness to have any kind of creativity in the visual Instagram social media experience. So anything you see is the product of Emma. So thank you very much, Emma. Yeah, it's been fun. I think for me, it's a good way to kind of see a whole nother side of the marketing world that I didn't have much experience in. And the nice thing about it is it's not too hard um you just use like a tool and you take the information or take the information that abby gives me and i get to have some fun with it so it's been like a nice hobby for me um outside of my like day-to-day job and volunteering and all of that and so i also love it because i get to spend quality time talking with my sister and helping her through or helping her do this podcast, which is going to be very beneficial for her in the long run. So it feels really good to support her in that way. Oh, that is so sweet. Thank you. Um, um, yeah. Could you kind of give us a little bit of more background on your marketing experience? Yeah. Um, so I graduated this past spring um, with two degrees from the business um, college at Montana State University. So I have one degree in business marketing and one degree in business management. And um, the marketing that I was focused on was more data analysis, um, coding with R, doing more of kind of like the data mining type of marketing. And um, in terms of like social media marketing, my involvement's really just been through volunteering for different organizations. I got to do some email marketing for a nonprofit I worked for plus some social media for them too. And so, um, yeah, I have like a very background in terms of marketing, but this is the first time I've really been able to do social media marketing on Instagram and Facebook and different platforms. 
Oh, that's great. Uh, when I back, so this podcast started in July, which I cannot believe that it's been like three and a half months already, but, um, I kind of asked you to kind of help out with that and, um, just kind of, cause I knew I was going to need help with the visual stuff. Uh, so how did you feel when I first told you about the podcast and asked you to come on board? Um, at first I was definitely, um, not conflicted, but just like, do I have the time for this? Am I going to be able to show up in the way that Abby needs? And I didn't want to overcommit myself and then have to back out like two months later because that wouldn't be fair to you and your journey and helping you out. Mm-hmm. And so when you first asked, I was thinking, okay, I need to kind of go through my life. I had just made this big move um, and was kind of focusing on myself and struggling to adjust in my new city. And so kind of after doing pros and cons, I realized that it would be a great opportunity. And um, I feel like while I was in college, we were, I mean, we were like best friends growing up. And then when I went to college, we just became a little bit more um, separated just naturally because I was able to finally do my own thing outside of the house. Mm -hmm. And so now that I've kind of settled down into more of like a regular life outside of school, it's been really awesome to have this opportunity to like bond back with you and like I've said before support you because I think that this podcast has been super good for you oh thank you yeah I definitely think that college because I was in college you know we were both in college and kind of doing our own things we haven't like had a chance to really connect but I definitely feel like like you said this podcast has been such a great opportunity for us to get connect and like connect in a different way than just being like the older sister you know like the older and the younger sister but like now we're both adults like helping yeah. each other out yeah and it's been like a friendship too and I love our dynamic about how we start the week you tell me what you want to get done this week what posts we need to be to make um and what content you want to do and hearing your excitement and being able to channel that into social media for you is really fulfilling for me yeah it's yeah i'm like yeah but yes it's been it's i'm like yes oh my gosh right before that we started the podcast i um i was like i just want to get this episode done with so we can talk and i was like wait that did not come out the right way um so sometimes i put my foot in my mouth but no um yeah i definitely think that it's it's so good and um i lost my train of thought can you repeat what you said sorry Oh, yeah, just saying that um, being able to help you and channel my work and channeling your visions into my work and effort for you on the podcast has been really fulfilling. Oh, yes, it's been so great to have that support. It's It's been fun, and I don't think I honestly don't think I'd do, be able to do this without you, so I really appreciate Aww. everything. It would not be successful. It would look like a really bad cake. My birthday. <laughs> The post would look like a really bad birthday cake. Um, yeah, remember that time I tried to cook peanut butter in the microwave? Yeah, I do. Or the peanuts? I tried. I tried to make peanuts, uh, peanut butter in the microwave by putting a bunch of peanuts in a bowl and putting it in the microwave, and it smelled really bad. <laughs> and we had to um, put the pot outside. It was it was a fun day, but um, that's kind of. I mean- we would be here for hours if we dissected every single one of our failed cooking experiments that we did at mom's house growing up. So. Oh my goodness. Or like those um, cupcakes that looked like poop. Yeah, that I decorated when I was like 12. Shout out Heather for putting that on Facebook and making me look like a ding dong when I was like 10. Oh yeah, but Emma's quite the cook too. She loved watching... Um, the uh cooking network and all those all those tv shows growing up she really liked that um but yeah um so after we kind of got established in our role um i know you've talked about this being like a fulfilling project but what has been um i guess what have you learned about yourself and me um while working on this project um for me i when i started this with you I felt like I didn't know anything and I was very amateur and by all means I'm not a professional at this at all but what I got to do in that first 
month, month and a half was a lot of research online. Um, I did a lot of profile stalking of other successful podcasts that I listen to um, frequently and wanted to figure out how they curate their media and what their pages look like. And it was really fun to just investigate and see how people grow their podcast through social media. Um, I think the other portion that I really like too is that the first like six weeks when you like had like your TikToks everywhere <laughs> and I was able to kind of like, okay, Abby, like this is, this is how you do social media and this is like how it looks good and teaching you the difference between like Instagram posting and types of engagement versus TikTok posting and engagement and how much content you want to create on each platform and how it varies. Um, I was able to learn a lot in that regard too. And then being able to give that back to you was awesome mm -hmm. um, and teach you because like you said before, you were like, I wouldn't be any, I wouldn't be able to do this, be able to do this without you. And I don't think anybody could do or run a successful podcast without the support of others. Mm -hmm. and it would take a lot to be able to do it by yourself and, it's nice to be able to just use my assets and my experience to help you grow something that's so important to you. Oh, yeah, it's been great. And I definitely have been doing a little bit of research about how to grow a podcast. And I feel like there's like ups and downs where I'm like, eh, I don't know if this is going to be successful. And then like really then being like really excited about an episode and, uh, you know, just focused on that. But um, I... Yeah, I think that that's so important to talk about, like, the research part of it and really be, um, it's like a whole new skill set, right? Um, but yeah, I think that that's really important. I think for me, like, one of the things I've learned is really kind of, I guess, like we touched on prior is um, being able to see you, like, we're just going to have this whole new experience without it being like a sister, like, or not like, like, a you know, I mean, like, it's like, I get to experience Emma, you know, for yeah. the first time. And I think that that's been really fun. And I think it's been really cool. Like we've been like communicating a lot um, and just kind of seeing what you, how we can work together as a team, I think is what I've learned. Yeah, I yeah. agree. It's been really nice to shift our dynamic a little bit from sisters growing up to like adult sisters and having being able to explore different types of relationship dynamics and being able to bond as sisters but also as like in a sense business partners right yes I think yeah it's been great and I even like from being um in two different states right now you know yeah. I yes. just yeah I think that that's really cool um what which project has been your favorite so far mm, that's a good question I think helping you do content for the, um, correct me if I um, have the title wrong, but I think it was like the Hydrocephalus Foundation. Oh, the association? Yeah, association. Yeah. Um, because I think that was one of your first big guests that wasn't like family or somebody in your close network that you had worked really hard and um, networked with in order to have to get onto your show mm -hmm. and I remember you saying like this is so cool now finally I have a connection into this association that helps a lot of people that go through what I go through but then it also expands my listening reach and people that um, can engage with my content and I think that was it was really I mean all I did was put stuff in Canva and send it to you but mm -hmm. I remember talking with you about it and you I think that might have been one of the first times that your vision for this podcast really came alive and it felt like, hell yeah, I did that. Yeah, and it takes a lot of work. I don't think people realize how much work it takes to do. You have to do like research and getting the guests on and making sure, you know, you're doing posts throughout the week. There's a lot that goes into a podcast, which I did not know when I started this, especially if you want to monetize it and kind of grow your platform which i kind of intend to do because i want to open up this conversation about disabilities and chronic illness for specifically women um but yeah i think that having that first initial guest from the hydrocephalus association uh was amazing and 
uh, I'm really like I'm really looking forward to some more guest podcasters. So I can't wait for you to help me with that. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, I I think another part of it is like this whole journey. You've had to be more vulnerable and be willing to like put yourself not only by like talking on a podcast and putting it out there for people to for people to listen to, but also by putting yourself out there and networking, which people don't always um, really understand how much vulnerability really goes into networking, especially with like an association that you don't have ties with mm-hmm. and being able to have those um, conversations about important topics. It's, it's really beautiful that you've been able to grow that confidence. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. Um, yeah. Okay. So in the next segment, we're just going to talk about emotional support. Uh, Because this is one of our support series episodes. So I'm excited for that. So in this uh, segment, we're going to be touching on the topic of uh, emotional support. So if you guys remember, we have emotional support, informational support, tangible support, esteem support, and network support. And so we've kind of been going through all those different types of supports uh, to kind of establish how we can provide support for individuals with a disability or chronic illness and so yeah i think that in this episode in this part of this uh episode we're going to be touching on emotional support uh but we're also going to be talking about it in terms of when emma and i were children uh just because like we've talked about we haven't really been able to like hang out or do as have as close of a relationship since she went to college so i uh we kind of just talked and we're going to do it based off of um growing up so are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. How do you how did you try to offer me emotional support growing up yeah. as a kid? Yeah, so growing up, I think um I mean for listeners here, me and Abby are the two youngest of six and so um we spent a lot of time with each other throughout elementary and middle and high school. And even while Abby was kind of in her first couple of years of college before I went away to another college a couple hours away. Um, and I feel like our older siblings, they were just in different life stages and phases by the time that we were old enough to like have those relationships, like when we weren't literal toddlers anymore. Mm-hmm. And so um, not by their own fault, but just because there was so much age between all of us. And so I think me and you just became really good friends. Um, there's like other factors for that. I think our mom was a little bit more conservative compared to other moms when it came to us mm-hmm. going out and like making friendships, um, or like having friends outside of family and school. Mm-hmm. And so really I just spent a lot of time at home hanging out with you um as like a younger kid I remember mom always kind of teaching us about or teaching me more about like what your shunt was Mm -hmm. and like I obviously wasn't alive when a lot of your surgeries were happening and so but I do remember like mom having your baby tags from like your surgeries like that Mm -hmm. you would wear on your wrist like tacked up onto the tack board behind the computer oh yeah right and I if I asked about it she would say like oh yeah this is what happened and Abby was in Seattle and she had the surgery and um your doc your like neurosurgeon's name was like Dr. Baby right oh Dr. Baby Baby yeah yeah um and so I would say in terms of like learning about um your illness and um I didn't know like the definitions like I was a child but I do remember like watching mom help change your shunt out and like oh feeding tube you mean yeah feeding tube and Hmm. um that'd be really hard if she changed out my shunt I feel like (laughs) I feel like she would be in jail or you know (laughs) yeah see I'm telling you I'm still trying to learn the terms (laughs) um but I think as a kid I I never saw you for somebody with an illness or Mm -hmm. I never saw you differently I just saw you as my older sister who maybe had a couple more hurdles in her life Mm -hmm. and um I never wanted to make you feel like you didn't belong or that you stood out for the wrong reasons Mm -hmm. or that you weren't allowed to be accepted for who you are and um 
I really just wanted to be your friend and have a close relationship with you. And so in terms of like emotional support as a kid, I think I was just really focused on being your younger sister and having fun mm-hmm. with you. And um, yeah. That, yeah, that's very true. And I'm like, I know that like I've expressed to you that um, I did not think we were going to be going here, but um, we're here. I like I've expressed to you that I like always kind of felt bad about not being like the big sister that you had like with our other siblings or like our brother um i guess he was kind of like up and up and out he's like 14 years difference but like i just never got to like teach you like certain things or like have that same like dynamic it was just a little bit different and i always felt always kind of felt bad yeah which is so interesting because i think like going through high school for a teenager in general it's really hard and so we obviously had our sister fights and we obviously didn't get along 24 7 like nobody does at that age with their siblings um but reflecting back on my time I never feel it's so interesting that you say that and I've said this before Mm -hmm. um but I feel like there's this this um that I never felt like I was missing out like I just Mm -hmm. I never saw that I wasn't having a standard relationship because what the heck's a standard relationship? You know what I mean? Right. It's like every right. relationship's different. And so um, I never felt like I was lacking that or that you weren't showing up for me in the ways that I needed. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that having an older sibling who does have like an illness and seeing how they persevere through their life and combat their extra struggles is a lot more inspirational um compared to like the classic high school struggles where it's like oh my pants don't fit anymore so (laughs) right right I feel like I learned a lot from you at a young age and maybe it took me going off to college and kind of growing up a little bit to really appreciate it and Mm -hmm. hold gratitude for the lessons you did teach me Mm -hmm. um but now that I've experience that I I don't ever feel like you never showed up for me which is so important well thank you that's that means a lot thank you um why uh why do you feel like offering emotional support to somebody who has a disability or chronic illness um is important I think it's important like I said before because um there are extra hurdles in your way and right. I know you've struggled with that before and feeling like a burden or you know being upset that there was so many more hurdles in mm-hmm. your life and so for me emotional support or providing you emotional support was just about helping alleviate the difficulty of like overcoming those struggles and persevering through it and also like holding space for yourself um it wasn't really until I started, I, I feel like a lot of our childhood was like survival together mm-hmm. um, and really forced bonding, not in like a bad right. way, but just like I said before, we were like our only friends. <laughs> right. And so, um, yeah, and I would say for me, something that I've really learned is I've been going to therapy now for um, like solid therapy for three years now at least two to three times a month and I think therapy has been very healing mm-hmm. for me as a person and learning about my own struggles mm-hmm. and um, self-development but also learning about how I can show up for other people and it's been really cool to kind of deep dive into our childhood and like talk about our relationship dynamic like between mm-hmm. me and you right and just like I wasn't even educated on how to like be emotionally supportive, but I was still like somehow naturally able to show up for you. Right. Really cool. Yeah. And I think too, that like just growing up, not even just like our family, but in general, there's just not a lot of talk of how to support not only the kids with a disability, but also the kids, the siblings who don't have a disability and or just the family in general. I just feel Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of lack of support and that people just assume that because they get, um, it even, if they even do, uh, just because they get government assistance or um, have doctor specialists that they're covered and like, quote unquote, taken care of, which is not true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that that's really important too. Um, 
And I think that, you know, you, you as a um, kid had to kind of like step up um, and you like did all the cooking. Like I said, you like cooking. So you had to like do all the cooking and you would always help with my hair and makeup. And yeah, you would always be the first ones to help me. And I think that was our big family and having such an age difference, we each kind of grew up in two. So there was like the oldest two, then the middle two. And like, we were the youngest two. And I feel like even like just without the disability or sorry, without having a disability, uh, each pair of us would have different experiences in general. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I don't, I think I was really just being a sister, right? And at the end of the day, I, I never felt like I had to put in, I think when I talk about what to like friends or when I talk about, oh yeah, I have a, my next older sister, she has a, um, illness and disability and I talked to them about like your hydrocephalus and like mm. my experience as a child I never felt like I had to put in an extra 50% to provide emotional support to you because mm-hmm. it, it was just I was just being there for my sister it was just right. whatever you needed that's how I showed up for you and um so yeah I never you never felt like a burden or it never felt like a burden to me it was just like oh yeah I'm gonna be there for my sister and that's like the bare minimum right right yeah the bare minimum and also like again like you're the youngest so like you came in not really knowing any different versus like our older sister you know rachel that would like that like that i feel like that would be different you know what i mean yeah like she had a life prior to it Mm -hmm. and i don't think she would say that that one was better she loves you right um we all do and we wouldn't trade anything about how we grew up because I think we all became such strong um, capable people Mm -hmm. but she did have like a before and after and she was old enough I think when you were born to like see um, Mm -hmm. see that shift but like you said I was just born into it and it was just it was like what I was raised in you know and I think mom and dad had gone through a lot like a majority of the hardships like probably like 85% of the hardships before I was born um, in terms of like your surgeries and providing like um, pediatric care and you know like all of your like really I don't know the terminology but like your newbie infant surgeries yeah like just the surgeries or like right right or like just the routine care like the OT and PT all that kind of stuff yeah I think is what you're talking right yeah yeah and so I think that was really nice because it helped relieve some like stress and anxiety of naturally just having um, a child with chronic illness or disability. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were able to like help raise me. And like you said before, I think I had to grow up like really early for my age Mm -hmm. in order to show up for you. Right. But um, that's just how it was. And I think going to therapy and like talking through it and like working through my life I've been able to kind of process those emotions and Mm -hmm. have like a positive thought process and positive emotion when I think about those times right yeah and I think that like you said there's like um the understanding I think is a big part and also the terminology um I feel like those are like two big takeaways for our audience is kind of like the understanding of having a disability or chronic illness within a family is just going to depend on where everyone's at emotionally and their age or like their developmental age and how they're going to be able to process it because the way you processed it in high school like you said is a lot different than you processing it now versus like because like one example is like the driving like you didn't know that like in middle school when I was in high school you're like um why can't you drive me around? And I was like, I can't do anything about that. I tried to drive, didn't work. I ended up crashing yeah. in a gas station. So, <laughs> um, oh, I was there. I remember that day vividly. Oh, that was a fun day. Yeah, I made a um, I crashed into a gas station and took out a beer cooler. It was really, it was a good day. Um, but yeah, no, I I just I remember that like in high school, not not like the, not in our later years, but like in the early years of high school I remember that being a thing and being like yeah I don't have any control of that but like I don't think like at that point again back to that level of understanding like it was it was just something uh that hadn't been addressed I guess 
as a family. And yeah. so you just thought it was like me not trying hard enough or whatever. Yeah. I think also part of it too is like when you're in high school, um, or at least this was my experience, mm-hmm. I think when our older siblings were in high school to be like a freshman or a sophomore and have your license and have your own car was kind of like exclusive. Right. But by the time I was in high school, that was the standard. Like I rode the bus until um, like really like junior year. Um, right. Halfway through junior year. Um, and that's because our parents just had decided to only put you through driver's ed. And I think when I was mm-hmm. going through it, I felt really frustrated because it was like, all of my friends have this and all the kids and it would just make more sense for like soccer and basketball. And it mm-hmm. felt like very frustrating and it was kind of embarrassing having to ask people for rides home. Right. And, um, and when you're 14 or 15, that mm-hmm. feels like the end of the world and it feels like such a big deal because right. that's like what you're taught in high school. But now that I'm 23 and can look back on it, I'm kind of, grateful that I didn't have all of that responsibility because it taught me to like ask for help because then I had to ask like friends hey can you give me a ride home after basketball practice Mm. um, I think it was also going through it and being able to like watch you go through like that process of like not being able like not being able to get your license and go through that was Mm -hmm. like really hard for you in the moment right but I also think you grew from it a lot and Mm -hmm. it helped maybe you realize and heal some of like those um expectations that maybe were just like too big or we had like like you said talked about really as a family right Um, and so I don't know that was like my perspective of it yeah yeah no I definitely that's kind of like I remember that because, like, you got it, and then I, like, came home and was, like, crying. I was, like, I I don't even have it, and Emma, like, always surpasses me and everything and blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, I know that, like, our parents sort of, like, talked about um, how we each have our own gifts, and I definitely have gifts that you guys haven't had to acquire. Yeah. I guess is the nice way to put it, or don't don't particularly have. Um, but it's just because based off our circumstances. Yeah, like, and I think that's life. Like, everybody has different strengths and weaknesses, and it's just about how you show up for other people and give those strengths to help someone out. Like, I love all my other siblings, but you're definitely the most optimistic and realistic. And, and realistic? Yeah. Oh, really? Optimistic and... um. There was another word on the top of my... Resilient? Um, yeah, resilient. Oh, I thought... When you said realistic, I was like, are you serious? <laughs> I was like, really? I don't think so. Okay, I'm not trying to shade you, but I think <laughs> Rachel and Damien might be the most realistic. I think so. I think like, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In terms oh, of, like, resilience, I think we all went through a lot of stuff as kids, and then you had all of your um I don't know if you want to call it medical trauma or what you want to classify it as Mm -hmm. that was my perspective of it because there was just so much hurt there for you right Um, so if you want me to call it something different no no medical trauma is good yeah yeah but on top of everything else you had medical trauma that you had to like work through and that came with like all these different barriers that I like just couldn't comprehend but seeing you be able to like work through life and like go past like doctors expectations for your disability and illness and just really be like the brightest star in any of our lives is just so insane to me that and it makes me so proud to be a younger Mm -hmm. sister because everybody that you Oh my gosh, you're Abby's little sister? I love Abby. Abby is the funniest person on the freaking planet. I saw her outside of the Grizz football game the other day, and she had the biggest smile on her face. I love that girl. That oh. girl is a badass. <laughs> you can spell it out if you... No, I'm totally kidding. Um, yeah. Badass beep. Yeah. And that was, like, always my experience and hearing those words is like I never experienced people being like pulling you through the mud or saying negative things about mm-hmm. you I only had people saying the most uplifting positive things about you and so mm-hmm. um, 
I think if there was like one regret that I had and one thing that I want to focus on in the future is like when somebody shares like those those words with me and shares those emotions with me I want to be able to be like hey Abby guess who blah 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 I ran into and they said this about you and share those words with you because if I had done that more as a kid I think it could have helped you build up that confidence that maybe could have helped you right more um so yeah I'm not gonna be like I was such a bad little sister but I do know that's something like I could have done better at no, and I think hindsight's twenty twenty too. Yeah. And as a fourteen year old, you're not really thinking about what you could go home and tell your sister who has a disability to make her life feel better. But I also think that I, for somebody who had a disability or chronic illness, had the best not freshman year necessarily, but like sophomore, junior, senior year, I had a pretty damn good experience for somebody what a disability yeah. or chronic illness and so i think that that helped out a lot too because i think like yeah if i was like being shoved into lockers or um bullied or any of that kind of stuff it probably would have made our relationship pretty bad at least for the freshman senior year maybe i also wouldn't have been afraid of like showing up and being like hey don't touch my sister again right know, right we're not doing that yeah thankfully that's never happened to me but unfortunately i know that that's an experience um some other people have gone through so and i always kind of like feel weird too because like i like i know that my parents like our parents not they're my parents emma they're my yeah, parents that's the bombshell for this episode uh no um i think that uh they like tried to raise me like pretty much other than where they wouldn't be able to pretty much the same as what you guys did so it kind of like made me who i am yeah and yeah. i think there's some controversy within our family about how our parents raised you but i think at the end of the day like, I remember you asking mom to, like, treat you the same way she would treat me. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're in high school, like, we didn't have the emotional capability or um, emotional intelligence to know that you probably did need a different type of support system or show have our parents show up in maybe a different way. Not necessarily a better or worse way, but just right. in a different way. Different. And, right. Um, and I, oh, I go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and I don't think we knew how to be vocal about that because we just didn't know. Right. Um, and so and now I that we can reflect back on it, we obviously can be like, okay, maybe this type of dynamic should have been different or this situation could have been better, but we can't do anything about it now. Like, you know, right. we're still growing and learning. Right. And I think that now we just kind of have, over the last few months, we've been able to like come together. And I know that there's more conversations that need to be had. But um, I think that um, we have the communication skills to be able to do it now. Yeah. Excuse me. And it's been, <laughs> love you, mom and dad, if you're listening to this. Right. Um, <laughs> but just, just going to say, like, I think one thing that's been really beautiful for you in these past like six months I would say especially like since you went on your trip to Georgia and um you started this podcast and through this life shift that you've been kind of going through I think you've gained your voice in it more and have been able mm -hmm. to say like dad I need you to do xyz mom I need you to do xyz Emma I need you to do xyz this is the support I need and this is what I need to get to this point in my life right and that has never really been the case before. And I don't see it as demanding. I see it as you using your voice to get what you, to get the support that you need to be efficient in life and supported in life. And that's been something that's been really healing for me to see. Cause I think throughout our childhood, your voice was kind of diminished by her. Not, not in like at your own fault way, but just right. by the natural ways of high school and the things that we were going through mm. um your voice was diminished a little bit right well no one took me seriously everyone thought i was an idiot or whatever yeah yeah everyone just i mean i don't want to agree with that but online because people are like i'm not her sister was an idiot <laughs> right but i know what you're, yeah but you know what i mean 
yeah, yeah. I, we just didn't have the tools that we needed to ask for support. That's like what it was at the end of the day. Um, right. And I think it's been really good that we've both been able to go to therapy. Um, you've been able to go to therapy and I've been able to go to a separate therapist and learn about um, what was wrong in our childhood, being able to point out what behavior wasn't proper or like the right way mm. to go about a situation right and then being able to like learn about it and grow from it and I think being able to just watch you gain your voice back through everything you've been doing has been I know I've said you're so beautiful obviously everybody knows that who's mm. listening um but that's been really impactful for me to watch oh well thank you Em um is there any kind of final thoughts you want to leave our listeners with in terms of um, I know we've kind of veered away from the emotional support, but just in general, yeah. Is there any kind of final thoughts? Yeah, I think um, one of the questions you sent over to me on the prompt was like, how do you take care of yourself? Oh, right, right, right. And I think that's a really important one to talk about because mm-hmm. um, I think growing up, we just keep going back to our childhood, but I think right. that's, that's the prime example to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I really kind of had to put you before myself and as a kid I really didn't care because it was just like the way it was like I had everything I needed and you just needed a lot of support right um and I think a lot of that at a really young age through middle school and kind of through early high school um just had like a little bit of pent-up resentment and not Mm -hmm. towards you right but like towards how we were being parented or like towards the situation in general mm-hmm. and that just came out in kind of like aggravated kind of upset with life ways right now that I've gone to therapy and have been able to work through things now I realize how important healthy boundaries are mm-hmm. and being able to set boundaries like um um, I'm trying to think of what it was, but I know I set some with you the other, like a month or two ago, and I can't remember mm. what it was about. Oh, it was like about sharing information with somebody that yeah. I didn't want my information shared with anymore. And I set that boundary, and I know that's like the expectation now. Or like if right. you were to be on a FaceTime call saying, hey, this stays within this group, and that's like a boundary, right. setting that expectation. And for me, that's been really important, whether it's emotionally supporting you or supporting friends, Mm. or supporting whoever it is, right? Like, the people I volunteer with, it's just, like, emotionally and verbally setting boundaries so that I can have my space to kind of calm down and recollect. Right. Because you can't keep showing up for the people in your life if you're just always depleted. Like, if your battery's just at zero, you're never going to be able to show up in a way that's actually emotionally capable right right yeah you have to fill your own cup yeah exactly yeah that's such a great um point and one yeah so that's just what um i was thinking about when you prompted that questions um it's important to set boundaries and i think at first it can be a little intimidating or it can feel wrong or you feel those negative emotions like guilt Mm -hmm. remorse or am I being too harsh or is this really the right thing but then when you see it through you can learn a lot of the stuff because if someone doesn't respect your boundaries then that says a whole lot about them right they do respect them that also says a whole lot about them Um, and so yeah. I feel like in my own journey, it's been different, but yeah, that's how I like to show up for other people is making sure like, okay, I'll be there for you, but this is how we're going to do it, you know? And this is what I'm willing to do and not do. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's smart. And I think that it's a way to be proactive instead of reactive. Cause when you don't have boundaries, you have to be reactive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's great. Um, and I guess our kind of, like, uh, next question is, uh, what are some practical ways of emotional support? Like, I know you talked about boundaries um, and self-care, but what is that? What are your other thoughts? 
Um, one thing that I like to do in my relationship is if we are, if my partner comes to me and says, I'm really struggling with this, I'm having a really hard time, whether it be a really small issue or a big one, I always prompt him with, okay, do you want, um, do you want like advice, life advice, or do you want me to just sit and listen? Right. And like offer empathy and just like give you a space because sometimes it can be really infuriating when you're trying like if i were to share or vent to somebody which we all need to do um and sometimes the last thing you want to hear is like support from someone you just want to like get it off your shoulders and so you just want to vent right yeah you just want to vent and so that's one way i offer emotional support it's just do you want empathy and holding space or, or do you want advice, right? Mm -hmm. um, some other ways, managing expectations has been like a really big thing that I've had to learn. Um, I think in whatever light, another, another, oh, excuse me, um, in <laughs> any way, right? Whether it be in like my romantic relationship or my relationship with my parents or my siblings or friendships, you know, not expecting people to be super amazing people and do everything for me and also not expecting them to be terrible people, but just letting them show up in the way that they are and seeing them for their behavior. Right. Um, and that's kind of more of like providing emotional support back to myself because, um, it really stinks when you have high expectations for someone and then they let you down and you have to feel that remorse and sadness and almost grief in a way especially if the friendship or relationship ends um, right but if you're able to just like manage your expectations to be expect them to show up the way that they always have you you're just like providing that support to yourself in order to avoid those hard emotions um so that's another that's like a way i provide emotional support back to myself I think those are some great ways to make sure that you're taking care of yourself when you're trying to support someone else. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I love therapy. I'm going to mm -hmm. like, I love therapy. I started therapy for my mental health and like my severe mental health when I was um, a sophomore in college. And I went to, before I moved, I went to the same therapist like three times a month. And I'm incredibly grateful that I had access to therapy mm -hmm. um, because I know not everybody does. And although it's becoming more accessible with like telehealth and um, better help and online platforms, being able to see somebody in person and do um, deep diving in person therapy has just been something that I'm very grateful for. Um, and it's been life-changing to me. Um, so yeah, if you're listening to this and you're feeling like you're on the verge of wanting to go to therapy, I would challenge you to try it because, you know, the worst thing to come out of it is like, you just didn't match with that therapist, right? Right. Um, and maybe you try again, but I don't think that there's anything super negative that can come from therapy like you just learn so much about yourself you get to heal you get to develop this relationship that's completely unbiased and somebody who's a third party so you can talk about anything um and i'm totally rambling here but i'm so pro therapy mm -hmm. so if you're listening to this and you can access it do it, totally do it. Yeah. yeah i think i want to second that too i think therapy has been phenomenal and I know that I, I really enjoy therapy and um, what it's taught me. And yeah, I think that just for anyone, not even just individuals with a disability or people who have family members with a disability, but just anybody watching, just go and talk about your uh, crap. Go and talk about your stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What, what has your experience been with therapy apps and like, how do you, how has it been fulfilling for you? I think for me, therapy has just kind of taught a lot about um, experience, um, other people's experiences and really how I can show up and be my best self and not take everything so personally and have a little bit more self-awareness, at least emotionally, maybe not spatially, but um, emotionally anyway. Um, and I think that it um, just kind of allows me to like process my feelings out loud.
which is so helpful. Mm-hmm. Instead of bot- bottling it up. Exactly. Yes, because I think that I used to do that all the time. So, yes. Have, <laughs> yeah, I used to. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'd say everything's great. Um, yeah, but no, I think that uh, that is so important, especially when it comes to emotional support. Well, Emma, I cannot believe we're at the end of this episode. Do you have anything you'd like to say to our listeners? Yes, yes. if you're listening to this and you want to learn more about emotional support and how you can show up for other people, um, there's some great podcasts that I really like to listen to. Um, there's one, let me pull it up. There's one that I um, really enjoy, and it's called We Can Do Hard Things by Glennon Doyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's a good book. She, yeah, she wrote a book. Called, I haven't read it yet, so I can't completely speak to it, but I know like her podcast episodes talk a lot about um, like building confidence and resilience, and so that can be a great show to listen to. Um, the Vile Files. Um, that one is with um, a guy named Nick, and he's kind of famous from being on The Bachelor, but he mm-hmm. talks a lot about relationships and how to, like, work through, you know, hard points in relationships and, like, learning about self-respect, and I think that's just, like, a big part of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, I'm, like, a big reader. I love to yeah. read, and some books that have been really good for me um, to learn about emotional support and whatnot, anything by Brene Brown. Um, the Gifts of Imperfection and Daring Greatly are two of my favorite books in terms of self-help. Um, and another one is called Brave Not Perfect by um, Reshma. So- I'm gonna pronounce this incorrectly, but Reshma Saujani, S-A-U-J-A-N-I. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one's about finding your voice. So there's some recommendations for anyone who wants to learn more about um, emotional support. Well, thank you so much, Em. And I'm so glad that you were on this podcast. And uh, for our listeners, um, if you have any other tips that maybe you learned when supporting somebody through emotional support, um, I'd love to hear that and start that conversation. And um, I hope to see you guys next week. Thank you for listening. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Miss Independence Podcast. I'm so excited about today's episode. Today we have my social media manager, and more importantly, my sister, Emma, here to talk about the importance of emotional support. And I think it's going to be a very cathartic episode to hear. So it definitely was a cathartic episode to record, and I'm so excited and thankful that she was able to... uh, be able to have this conversation with me. So in this episode, we talk about, like I said, emotional support and what it's like to have a sibling with a disability. Um, So yeah, I'm really excited to hear a few housekeeping items. We, um, if you have not yet, go like our Instagram page and our TikTok. And I think that's all I have. Um, Yeah, I think that's all I have. So let's get to today's episode.